0: His son, Yudha, was rather a and that's an understatement, I mean he was the kid who constantly got thrown out of school, he was the kid who got sent home, he was the kid that the Rebbe's used to come to his father Dovbe and say, listen we don't know what to do with your child, and eventually Zalman Yudah became older, he became an adolescent, went through all oh, those terrible years, we all know about them, and then suddenly he disappeared he left town. And for years his father, Dovbear, was waiting to hear something from his son Zalman Yud. And he's hearing nothing. He doesn't even know where he is. And every single person that comes into the town, Dovbear asks him, Tell me, did you hear my son Zalman Yudah? Do you know anything about him? And one day, a very shrewd beggar came to that small town, and people told him that this rich person, Dovbear, has an obsession. With his son Zalman Yudah. And he keeps asking everyone, did they hear, did they know about his son? And this beggar decides he's gonna take advantage of this. And he goes into Dovbear and he asks him, Can you please give him some stock and some charity? And Dovbear says to him, Tell me, do you know, did you hear anything of my son of Zalman Yudah? And the beggar says to him, Zalman Yudah, Zalman Yudah, that name, it rings a bell. How does he look? And then And says to him, my son, his average height, red hair, a bit overweight, he has a scar on his forehead, he says, of course, it's not Zalman Yudah, Rabbi Zalman Yudah, you're talking about, you know, the average size, red hair, scar on his face, a bit overweight, of course, of course I know him, and the says to him, really, why do you call him Rabbi, where do you know him from, and the beggar says to him, listen, I come from a town called Papunia, about a year ago, came in this young man, just as you're describing, average of height, a bit overweight, red hair, scar on his head, said his name is Zalman Yudah. What a Tamil Chachem! What a Masmid! Sits in the base midrash and learns and everyone asks him all the halachic shailahs and he gives these phenomenal shiurim. Unbelievable! You're the father of Rabbi Zalman Yudah! Oh. What a pleasure to meet you. What a son you have. Halavai, may all of Am have children like you. And Bear is exhilarated. Oh, oh, what nachas, what nachas. And he reaches his his pocket and he just takes out their $2,000 and he puts them on the table and he says, This is yours. Thank you so much for making me so happy. And the beggar goes to himself. Yes, did it. And as he walks out, he sees another friend of his. And his friend of his sees him smiling and he says to him, tell me what's going on? And he says, listen, he says, are you going now into Dove Bear to collect charity? And the second beggar says to him, yes, that's what I'm planning to do. He says, listen, I'm gonna tell you what to do so that you get a lot of money, but I have a condition, 50-50. We split it, even share. Whatever you get, 50% goes to me, fine. So the second beggar says, yes, of course, why not? It's better than nothing. He says to him, listen, this rich guy has an obsession with his son Zalman Yudah. I told him his son Zalman Yudah is a tamid chochem who's now residing in the city of Papunia. Elaborate on the story, go on, tell him good things about his son, and he's gonna pour out those dollars and give them to you. So the second beggar comes in, and again the rich person sees him and he says to him, Shalom Aleichem, do you maybe know anything about my son, Reb Zalman Yudah? And the second beggar goes, Reb Zalman Yudha, one second. Average of height, a bit overweight, red hair, a scar? And Reb Dober says, Yes, that's my son. He says, Of course, Rabbi Zalman Yudah. You're talking about the Papunia rabbi's son in law, the future destined to be rabbi of Papunia? Of course I know him. And Dobe goes, What? My son is going to be the rabbi of the city? He says, Yes. Such a Tamil Chacham such a masmid he came to Papunia. everyone was so impressed by him the chief rabbi of Papunia took him as a son-in-law for his only daughter and he wrote in his will that is asking the people of Papunia to appoint his son-in-law rabzalman yudda to be the next chief rabbi of Papunia. and Dov bear is overwhelmed and he says listen you have to stay here. I want to go, I want to do a massive banquet for all the people here in my town. I want to invite everyone and do a Sudat Hodaya. A thank you, Sud, to thank Hashem that my son is going to be the future rabbi of Papunia. And he does it. He has a massive banquet, invites everyone in the town, and they all come. And the ge- the, the honor guest is that second beggar who stands up. And tells all the stories about Rabbi Zalman Yude, the future rabbi of Papunia, the son-in-law of the chief rabbi of Papunia. And at the end of the banquet, where all the people in town say to themselves, "Oh, what siata Dishmaya, that that Zalman Yude, that misfit, the child that never could do anything, became such a Tamil chacham, and is now going to become the chief rabbi of Papunia." We all have hope! And as they all leave, Dove Bear takes a second beggar into his, into his office. He opens the safe and he takes out this massive packet, 50 grand. And he puts it on the table and he says, this is yours. No one has ever made me as happy as you made me today. Second beggar takes it and then cuts it in half. 25 for him, 25 for the first beggar. And they go on their way three weeks later Zalman Yudah comes home and he looks terrible I mean when we're talking about disheveled we're talking about Zalman Yudah he looks a mess he looks famished he looks starved he looks haunted he's got beating marks all over his body he doesn't look like a rabbi (laughs) he doesn't look like a Tamil Chacham question if he even looks like a Jew but that's another Shiloh and his father said to him Son, why aren't you in Papunia? And Salman Yudah goes to him, Papu- what? What are you talking about? Just a second. I was told that you are residing in Papunia. You are the son-in-law, the chief rabbi of Papunia. You're going to be the next rabbi. He says to him, Daddy, listen. I don't know what people told you, but that's absolute nonsense. So his father says to him, So where have you been? Well, the honest truth is, for the past two years, I've been in jail. Jail? Why jail? You know, I took things that weren't mine, broke into places that that didn't belong to me. His father says to him, Givald, you were in jail? And why do you look so bad? He says to him, you know, they beat us up in jail. That's what they do in these foreign jails in Europe. And his father's going to himself, Oi Givald, what am I going to do? I just now did this massive banquet for all the people here. I just told him that you are the biggest Haman Chocham the next chief, Rabbi of Papunya. This is so embarrassing. What am I going to do? that's what we do when we say a Solomon Perach. Perach a tefillin. Perach a cool tefillin, the glory. The Gemara in tractate on the sixth page says that just like we put tefillin on our hands and on our heads, so does HaKadosh Borucho have tefillin on his hands, kivyochol, and on his head. What does it say in HaKadosh Borucho's tefillin? Yisroel Who has such a nation like Am Yisrael, who has such people so glorified, so holy, so special like Am Yisrael. When we misbehave, we are doing to HaKodesh Baruch Hu exactly what those beggars did with Zalman Yudah to Dov Bear. HaKodesh Baruch Hu praises us every single day. Mi ki What children do I have? Look around you. Look at Am Yisrael. Look at this wonderful people in this wonderful nation that I have. And then we misbehave then we do things that we shouldn't do. When the Baruch Hu says, I've I'm, I'm been telling everyone, all the angels, all the Srofim, all the heavenly realm, Mikam look at my nation, and this is how you're behaving. That's why we say, please, please, do for your glory, for your tefillin, that it says, Mikam please, allow us, help us to be good sons, to behave properly, so that we don't embarrass you, when you praise us, Mikam kam let us not be like Zalman Yudah, who embarrassed his father Dov Ber, who was in jail instead of being the chief rabbi of Poponia. And now we come into, since we don't want to embarrass HaKadosh Baruch what do we do on the last week? Unfortunately, there are many people that say, well, come on, I mean, look at the year that's gone by. I haven't exactly done what I should have done. I didn't daven properly. I didn't bench properly, I didn't learn properly, I didn't guard my eyes the way I should. Come on! What can I do now in the last week? What can I do? Rabbi Nachman Abresler writes in Likutei Moharan, in the 112th Torah, if you believe that you are able to ruin something, believe you are able to rectify it and make amends. The world is always built in such a way Vis-a-vis, if you can ruin, you can also build. And to explain what we can do in the last week, I'd like to give a few stories. Rabbi Pinchus Zechertzadik Avrachat used to give a wonderful parable story to explain what we can do on the last week. A kahila somewhere in Israel decided they wanted to build a shul. Now, I don't know how it works in America or in South Africa, but in Israel, getting permits to build a shul, it's not like Ukraine. Ukraine is very easy. You just pay the people you've got to pay, and you get the permits. In Israel, it's a bit more complicated, and it takes normally a long time until you get a permit to build a building. So, what, what does everyone do? They build caravans. You you buy you order a water caravan. You have companies in Israel that make these like big portable homes, caravans, which can be the size of let's say, 10 meters by 30 meters by 5 meters, big enough to be for the time being a shul. You have a piece of land. You put the caravan on it. You start with a shul that's built in a temporary residence and eventually you get the permits and then you build a permanent shul. So this Kehillah somewhere in Israel finally decided they that they got the land, they got the permits, and they decided they're now going to bring this massive big caravan and they're going to make it their new shul. And on the day, the special day, the people of the Kehillah come and they have all the workmen there who are supposed to build this shul. this massive truck comes in a big semi-trailer with a crane and it lifts this incredibly big caravan and out of the truck step out these three massive you know big strong sturdy guys work lifting caravans you know each one of them looks like a bodybuilder and as the caravan is hung up in the air there by the crane they're like shifting the caravan left and right to place it exactly and then they're yelling to the guy hey Uzi take it down take it down puts it down, and he puts it up. The caravan is placed exactly where it should be. And then you have all the worksmen come in, and they're putting the electricity together and the water together, and then they go into the shore. Uh-oh, a mistake. The Arun Koidish was put in the wrong way. It's not the direction of the Arun Koidesh. You've got to turn the caravan around, but there's a problem. The truck and the crane left, so they don't know what to do now. And there's this like, a young man stands there, and he says, hey, what's the problem? Lift the caravan up and just turn it around. They say to him, what are you talking about lift the caravan up and turning it around? Do you know know how much this caravan weighs? This weighs about five, six tons. How are you gonna lift it up? He says, what are you talking about? I just saw when they put the caravan down, there were three guys who they themselves moved the caravan left and right and placed it on its position. And everyone looks at him and says to him, tell me, are you normal? That's when the caravan was connected to the crane. And you could shift it around because the crane is hanging it up and you have just got to give it a little shove and it moves left and right. The crane is gone. It's now on the ground. You can't just lift the caravan and rotate it. Says Rabbi that is exactly how the year is built. Until Rosh Hashanah, it's still the crane. You need a little shove, a little push, and you can still move the caravan around. After Rosh Hashanah, when Rosh Hashanah comes in, finished. The crane has been placed down on the ground, and you can't move it. There's still time to make those little adjustments. The Dubna Magid used to give also a wonderful parable to explain what can we do in this week. Now, let's be realistic, okay? We have one week. We have one week to rectify or to change the way we behave. And unfortunately, if we didn't do things right all year round, Does that mean this one week we can change everything round? The Magid of Dubna gives a wonderful parable. A king decided one day that he wanted, as his prize ornament in his palace, to have a massive golden goblet. A goblet which is decorated with gems. An intricate art on the goblet itself. Something that everyone should walk in and say, whoa, what a masterpiece. He finds out, who is the best goldsmith? Yes, Sir Ellie, Ellie. Goldsmith. Okay, who is the best goldsmith in the country? And they say to him, the best goldsmith is a person called Joe the Goldsmith. He calls Joe the Goldsmith, sends one of his ministers. The minister goes to Joe the Goldsmith and he says to him, Listen, we want you to be the one to build, to create, this incredibly ornamented, decorated golden goblet. The king, how long do you think it's going to take you? Joe thinks and he says, how big do you want the goblet to be? We want it to be about a half a meter in height to weigh about five kilos. That's a lot of gold. And Joe thinks and he says, well, it's going to take you in a minimum of six months. And the minister says to him, listen, I'm giving you double that time for 12 months you are going to get a salary of $100,000 every single month. Nice monthly salary. Not bad. You're going to get as much gold and as many gems as you want from the king's treasury. He wants you to build this goblet and create it for him. Joe says, okay, of course, I agree. Thank you. I'm very honored that the king has chosen me and he goes home. he says to his wife, yes, I did it. The honest truth is, it's only going to take me three months. I said six months, you know, to give me a bit of a four. And they gave me 12 months of a salary. $100,000. Let's go wild. We're rich. We're so rich. We always wanted to go tour around the world. We wanted to go to America. We wanted to go to Alaska and see all the white bears. We wanted to travel around the world. We wanted to see the sunset over Hawaii. Let's do it! $100,000! Wow! And that's what they do. And Joe the Goldsmith and his wife, they take all that money and they go on a long, long worldwide tour. 11 months, they toured the world. And as they come back, he sees all these notices stuck on his door. Mr. Goldsmith, where are you? What's happening with the goblet? Call immediately. This is an emergency. And suddenly Joe the Goldsmith goes, "Oi! I forgot. I have a job to do. I've got to build this massive goblet. What am I doing now? And he calls the minister who's in charge of building this goblet. Imagine this, the king appointed a special minister to be the goblet minister who's in (laughs) charge of creating this goblet and he says to him "Uh, listen there was a bit of a problem Uh, I'm I'm coming now over to pick up the gold and the gems and the diamonds that we spoke about to build the goblet we're waiting for you pleasure come by and Joe the goldsmith goes and he goes "Uh, can I please have um, 500 grams of gold and uh, 20 diamonds and the minister says I speak about a goblet which is supposed to be half a meter high weighing five kilos? 500 grams of goblet. Why? Don't worry. Leave it to me. It's for me. And Joe goes home and he says to himself, listen, I have one month. There's no way I can build in one month a half a meter goblet that weighs five kilos. It doesn't work that way. The only thing that I can do is build a miniature goblet. A tiny little specimen goblet. And that's all I have time for. And he works for a whole month, and he builds this tiny little goblet, incredibly beautiful. I mean, decorated, ornamented, something unbelievable, but minuscule. You know, tiny—the kind of thing that you know you give on the Shabbos table. That's what you give the children to drink out of the bechers, Not the kind of thing that you, as the father, holds up. But that's what he had time to build. And what he decides, he puts it in a box, and the box in a box, and the box in a, a box. You know, like a passing, par- like a passing pass- parcel and as he comes to the king he brings the king this massive you know big box and when the year's over and he says to his king your royal highness the goblet and the king is so excited and he opens the first box okay it looks like a russian babushka you know you open one you take another one out number two number three number four number five number six hmm it's a bit small i mean you know and Joe says to the king, your highness, please take take a look at the goblet. isn't it beautiful? And the king looks and he says, it's a masterpiece, it really is beautiful, but it's tiny. We spoke about something that's supposed to be the prize, the, the, the prize ornament of my palace. Something that everyone that comes in says, whoa, what a king. This looks like Lilliput, you know. Gulliver's travels this is not what I was talking about what happened and Joe says your highness I want to be honest with you I've been a naughty boy I took all the money that you gave me and I went on a worldwide tour and I only remembered a month ago that I need to build a goblet please please don't don't kill me please don't kill me I, I did this little thing but but I promise you I'm gonna build another format something much bigger but you'll have it in three or four months time says the market of Dubna. That's exactly what the last week means. We have one week. We're not gonna be able to make a massive big goblet, but we can make a small goblet. We have a week, we have a few days, and we can come to our and say to him, listen, we're really sorry. We're like Joe the Goldsmith. We went on a worldwide tour, and we actually forgot a bit about you, but can you see this beautiful format? This is the format. We want to build you a massive goblet. Please, give us another chance so that next year, we can build you a much bigger and a much more special goblet and that's the meaning of this last week we still have time for the changes to make a small goblet a format that we can present to Hashem and say we're sorry we tried give us another chance and we'll bring we'll build you a much bigger example and a much bigger specimen next year now we need to know you can only make amends now on this world. You don't get to make amends afterwards. This is the time. We need to now grasp the moment. You know the Latin phrase carpe diem? Seize the moment. This is the moment. The days are slipping by. We have, we're on Thursday. Thursday is already over, according to Jewish Candace Friday. We have Friday, Shabbos and Sunday. We have three days, 72 hours that we can still make changes, and after those 72 hours, it's gone. Do you know what it's like? Imagine now someone who goes onto a plane. Now, I don't know how all planes are built, but let's take, for example, one of the best, okay, one of the best uh, airways in the world, British Airways. Um, okay, I'm British, I know, it's not fair. Maybe, <laughs> may, may, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being here, you know, I'm, I'm tending to go with my family's origin, but British Airways do have a very good name. as a wonderful, wonderful airline company. Their first class, I've never been there, I've never been in the first class, but I've heard it's incredible. They say it's something unbelievable. Now, imagine someone goes on the plane and he decides that he wants to save money. I don't fancy paying for first class, it's too expensive. I want to pay for economy class. And he gets on to British Airways and he goes into economy class and he gets on and the plane is all stuffed and everything is like tight. You know, they make t- t- the seats are getting narrow and the space leg is getting even smaller, and you feel like you're sitting in a live sardine box. You know, eventually they may, I don't know, start putting on floors, maybe put people on you, I don't know what's gonna go on. And this guy he has money, and he sits in the economy seat and he goes, Well, this is not good. I don't like this. I want a better seat. And, you know, he looks at the front of the aisle and he sees there these nice, comfortable sofas, you know, the recliners, and there's a waiter, a person giving you champagne, and all these extra goodies. Yeah. And he decides, okay, I want to go to first class. And he goes now, he, yeah, he, go, he goes to M, and he goes to Palette, and he says to him, listen, I, I want to go to the first class. And he takes out this packet of money, and he says to him, okay, how much does it cost? I want to pay. And the guy looks at him, and he says to him, sorry, sir, you can only buy the ticket on the ground. You can't buy the ticket on the air. Go back to your seat in the economy class. That's the way it works. You don't get to buy a seat for the first class up there. Only down here. Now is the time to buy the ticket for the first class. Don't miss the opportunity. We have three days. We can still get the ticket for the first class. And after the three days when Rosh Hashanah comes in, finished. Time's up for this year. You can't buy any more ticket for first class. You stay in economy class. Not worth it. Not when you're traveling British Airways. Okay? And heavenly airways, oh, first class, they say is something unbelievable. It's a ride. Okay? Don't miss the ride. So the question is: what can we do? We have three days. What are the things that we can practically do in order to make the year much better? So we're gonna give five things. All the things are taken out of the words. Of Rabbi Nachman five things that we can do to enhance our year to make sure that we utilize these three days and when we come into Rosh Hashanah we make sure that we have come now with an offering to to really make a change we've changed ourselves we've changed our lives. Rabbi Nachman in Sichot Haran in letter 185 he says there are two things two things that he ex- that he expects every single person who's associated to him to do. Thing number one, His Hisborodos means that you have got to allot a time every single day to have a solitary hour where you speak to Hashem. Speak to Him. That's something that Rabbi Nachman expected expected from every single person who is associated to Him. I want you to speak to Hashem. Now, this is one of the most difficult things to do. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because Rabbi Nachman writes in the Rikutei Mo'aran, in the 66th Torah, that the more something is important and valuable, the more difficult it is, because the Torah doesn't want you to do it. And Rabbi Nachman writes in the Muharan, in the second part, on the 25th Torah, he says that Hisbordus is the highest and greatest virtue of them all. Why? Because this is a test of faith. Are you able to speak to Boho for now. It's very easy when I'm looking at you and I'm speaking to you and I feel that you're present and I can speak and we can have a discussion. How many times have we started a conversation with friends of ours and suddenly <gasps> Whoa, look at the clock? How long have we been speaking about and about what? Normally about nonsense and we can go on forever. Hisbodelus is a test of faith. If you believe in the presence of Hashem, if you believe that Hashem is your best friend, we say every of Shabbos, Yadid Nefesh Avarachman, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a merciful father, he's, he's our soulmate. If you believe that, that he is Tov Umetiv Lakol, he wants to give you everything, why can't you speak to him? Tell him about your troubles, tell him about your difficulties. Now, I know that everyone here sitting in this room has got no troubles, no difficulties, nothing he wants to ask, he's on an angelic level, and all he wants to do is to bestow people, other things. Now, if that is the situation, I'm sorry but you've got to go see a doctor, <laughs> okay? We all have problems. We all have financial problems. Anyone that doesn't have financial problems, please come speak to me after the share. There's a lot of good things that I can do with your money. It's not gonna to go to you, don't worry. Okay, we have social problems. Anyone that doesn't have any social problems, please come to me, I wanna start getting you on seminaries on the new Breslov of Israel English-speaking program. There's so many things we need to speak to Hashem about. Whether it's our children, whether it's our spouses, whether it's our friends, whether it's our financial difficulties. For example, I today had an hour with boy on one thing. Do you know what I asked? I was was in the tzion, I asked just for one thing. Please, I want to feel close to Hashem. I want to feel that Hashem is my best friend. I know it and I say, but I want to feel it. I want to feel it. Can you imagine what it would be like to feel, whoa, Hashem is sitting next to me. He's here. He's going to give me everything I want. I'm not talking about believing. I'm talking about really feeling it. So the first thing that Rabbi Nachman expects us to do is its We can strengthen our faith. We can come prepared by strengthening the bodilus. By making sure that they will, we won't have a single day without having that special, specific time to speak to Hashem. So that's number one. Number two, Rabbi Nachman writes the second thing, he expects every single person who is associated to him to learn every single day a segment of halacha. He doesn't say that you've got to learn for an hour, he doesn't say you've got to learn for half an hour, a segment, it can be even two minutes. Learn a halacha, there's so many books that talk about halacha, about Jewish law today so many things you can find in all languages in hebrew in english in french in spanish whatever you want you buy a booklet every single day you open it up you read one small segment of halacha it can take you 60 seconds not more but Nachman saw halacha as being the emphasis of jewish life why because halacha is the codex it's the code book that tells us how to live there's so many things that we need to know. For example, I serve in the Chut Shilcheshe, the institutions, as a rabbi, as a poisek. I'm the one who is supposed to teach the Jewish halacha. Do you know how many questions I've gotten here in Uman? I think since I've been here in Uman, we landed in, I came here to Uman yesterday at 1 o'clock a.m. I think since today, I've since now, I've had over 250 shivers. People have got so many questions about everything, about how to cook, what to do, monetary issues, issues relating to kashrus, what can you eat, what can't you eat, issues relating to Shabbos, what's going to happen on the Chag, all these different Shabbos. The more you learn, the more you know. Rabbi Nachman wanted all of us to be well versed in the Jewish law. And it doesn't take a long time. If he would have said, listen, I want every single one of you to learn for eight hours every single day straight, don't make a stop, no coffee, no drinking, no break in the middle. Okay, I can understand. That's heavy. He doesn't say that. He says, learn something every single day. 60 seconds. Buy a book. A small book. Read a segment. 60 seconds. So that's the second thing. With those two things, we're coming to the Rebbe. We're coming here. We're in the Rebbe's city. We're in Oman. We're coming to the new year. We can say to the Rebbe, Rebbe, we have just now fulfilled the two things that you wanted us to do. That you expect from all the people who call themselves who All the people who are connected to your soul. So please, Rebbe, we're asking you, please, we're praying to Hashem to give us a good year. Please pray for us also that Hashem will give us a good year. Number three, Rabbi Nachman, when he edited his book, his masterpiece called Likutei Moharan, the way the teachings there are brought are not chronological. The order is different to the way Rabbi Nachman gave them. And who edited the book? Rabbi Nachman himself. He edited his own book. He decided what is going to be the opening part of the Muharran. Do you know what the opening part of Kuti Muharran speaks about? The most important thing in Jews life. Do you know what that is? Torah. Torah. Be connected to Torah. Learn something every single day. If you find it difficult to learn, support people who are learning. Have a part in Torah. Be connected to Torah. If Rabbi Nachman chose to open his masterpiece, his monumental book, Likudzi Muharram, with the first part which relates to Torah, that means, in his eyes, it was the most important thing that we should connect to. We have three days, we still have time to give ourselves every single day another 10 minutes, not more, 10 minutes more than what we learn, open a book. There's so many books out there. Their books on each level, suitable for every single person. Ten more minutes of learning. That's the third thing. We're coming better prepared to the new year. Number four. The Mishnah in Tractate Yoyim, in the 85th page, Second Size says, All the things that we do in this world, all the good and positive things, and all the transgressions are divided into two parts things that are between us and Hashem, for example, davening, keeping Shabbos, keeping Kashrus, and ben la the way we behave to our fellow man, how we conduct ourselves as human beings who live in a social group. And the Mishnah there says that the way we conduct ourselves to our fellow man is much, much, much more severe than the way we conduct ourselves in our relationship with Hashem. Why? The holiest day of the year, Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonement, it will atone for transgressions that we made towards Hashem. It will not atone for transgressions that we made towards our fellow Jew if we did not go and apologize and get His forgiveness. The most important thing in this world, the Chazonish said, you come here for 70 years praying that you don't hurt one single Jew in 70 years. That's the most important thing. You can govern as much as you want. You can be the biggest tzaddik if you don't know how to behave to your fellow human being. It's not worth much at all. You can be the more person who does the biggest transgressions towards Hashem. But if you know how to behave to your fellow person, you'll be on a much higher level in the afterlife. That's number one. How we behave to our peers, to our friends, to our wives, to our children, to our family. So that's the fourth thing. We have now three days to amend the way we have behaved to this year. We can call people who have hurt them and say that we're sorry, asking for their forgiveness before Rosh We can be more careful in the way we conduct ourselves here now for these three days, how we relate to our roommates, to the people who, when we go to the tzion, it's very interesting there because you will always get pushed around and there's two ways to relate to it. You can go, okay, I'm not going to get angry. It's fine. I'm going to stand in the corner of the back. You can go, "Mm, mm, what's going on here? Calm down. Then, we can now amend three days the way we behave to our fellow Jew. And those things will give us so many good points for the year to come. And the last thing. Now, the last thing is very interesting because it is the last thing Rabbi Nachman writes in his masterpiece, in his monumental book Likutse Moharan, it appears in the second part, in the 125th Torah. Now we know that the last thing has got a lot of importance because the Gemara tractate brachas. on the 12th page says, What does that mean? If you, for example, we'll make a bracha, I now wanted to make, I wanted to make a blessing on water. I thought it was water, but it happened to be wine, and only on the last minute did I realize it was wine, and I changed on the last minute, I changed the blessing, and instead of ending the bracha. With shahakul I ended it with a special bracha for wine. Boya priagofen says the Gemara. Everything goes on the last part, on the way you finalized it, on the closure. The closure of the Kuti Maharan says, speaks about Tehillim. Says Rabbi Nachman, Tehillim, the holy book of David Amelech is incredible. In that book, David Amelech put in everything that relates to each and every single one of us, things that we go through in our lives. Read Tehillim. We have three days. Do you know what it's like coming now to the new year when you can present a Baruch Hu on Rosh Hashanah? HaShem. I finished for you in these three days the book of Tehillim. I finished 20 Psalms of Tehillim. 10, 5 more Tehillim. And we're now in Uman. Tikkun In Bresla there's a Kabbalah. It appears in the book Yemei Shmuel in the fifth chapter. The Tikkun those ten chapters, are the equivalent of saying the whole book of Tehillim. Every single time you say ten chapters, only ten, it's as if you said 150. Every time you say Tikkun HaKloli, it's like you've said the whole book. So Tehillim is the fifth thing. So let's go over quickly the five things, and then we're going to give a closure to the Shia. The five things that we can do in these next three days are 72 hours. One, hispotitus. We have three days. Every single day devote a time to speak to Hashem. Two, halacha. Every single day devote a time to learn a small segment of halacha, of the Jewish law. Number three, Torah. Devote a small segment, an extra segment of time of learning more Torah than what you would have learned otherwise. Number four, Benodom l'chaviru the way we conduct ourselves with our fellow friends, our fellow Jews, our roommates, our family, to apologize to those who we've offended and hurt over the year and to try and behave in a better way to the people who are surrounding us now. And the last thing, Tehillim. Say Tehillim. Have a book of Tehillim with you. Whenever you can, you have a spare moment, say another chapter of Tehillim. Those five things, we're going to come to the new year better prepared. We'll be able to tell Hashem, Hashem, we took the last week. We took good advantage of the last week and we did what we can. We're presenting you with our goblet. This is the format of how we want to live the whole of next year. So give us a chance and we will make you proud. We will be the nation that you are so proud of. Thank you very much. I appreciate for you all of you being here for the first share here in the in Emon HaShul under the new and renewed English program by of Israel, may Hashem give us all a wonderful, sweet, and holy New Year. Amen. How long was that? It was uh, thirty-eight Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Just, uh, um, Rabbi Arush, uh, just, just uh, something about the Rav. The rov, since the rov was so overworked over the past few weeks, he w- was in France, he gave about 40 shurim in four or five days, and then he came here to Israel and he had a lot, a lot of days with many shurim, the rov simply lost his voice. And the doctor said that if he wants to make sure that he keeps his vocal cords, all in the correct, everything should be good. The doctors told the Rob that the Rob has got to slow down, lower <laughs> the pace, and try and refrain from speaking as much as he can. So we hope that the Hashem is going to feel much better over Rosh Hashanah. If not, I am sorry and I do apologize, it will have to do with me. I'm sorry, it's a lousy replacement, but that's what it is. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, uh, Shabbat. Sure. Beautiful year for everyone. Shalom There's, there's a sham. We'll be seeing him over Shabbos and Yom Tid.